We are now nine days into 2024, and the question is whether I will be able to get through an entire year without resorting, telling you what item or issue or individual is being honored on a particular day. The goal of the past few weeks has been to avoid that entirely, based on the note of one podcast listener of Charlottesville Community Engagement who felt that bit had played out. Has it? Continue listening throughout the year to find out. I'm Sean Tubbs, a believer that there is much worth celebrating and honoring each and every day. And on today's program, Nelson County Supervisors pick a chair for 2024. There's a new owner of the Mickey Tavern on Route 53 near Monticello. Charlottesville announces an end to the waitlist for school bus routes, but over a thousand students still have to use their feet or get a ride to class. Another window for affordable housing funding opens up in Charlottesville, and several community members weigh in on whether Albemarle's Crossroads communities should provide more services and land for development. In today's first subscriber-supported shout-out, the Albemarle Charlottesville Historical Society begins programming in 2024 with a topic I'm personally very interested in. In the late 20th century, folk artist Francis Brand captured a slice of Charlottesville in the mid-70s by depicting the likenesses of dozens of people she considered to be firsts, including first female mayor Nancy O'Brien and Cornelia Johnson, the city's first female police officer. Both O'Brien and Johnson are scheduled to be on a panel discussion at 6 p.m. at the Martin Luther King Jr. Performing Arts Center at Charlottesville High School. Also on the panel are Teresa Walker-Price, she's the first black female to serve on Charlottesville's electoral board, and Frank Walker, the artist and painter of Brand's portrait. The panel will be moderated by Virginia Doherty, another former mayor of Charlottesville. RSVP to the event to reserve a space, and if you're interested in helping me update Sevilpedia to make sure all of her first portraits are on the community encyclopedia, drop me a line. We'll organize a time to do the research together. Thank you to the Albemarle Charlottesville Historical Society for this shout out. Four of five members of the Nelson County Board of Supervisors were present at the General District Courthouse in Lovingston this afternoon when their first meeting of the year began. The first item was a call for nominations from County Administrator Candace McGarry. I'm now open the floor for nominations for um, chair for 2024. Central District Supervisor Ernie Reed made a nomination. Um, I'd like to nominate uh, David Parr for chair for 2024. Second. Outgoing Chair Jesse Rutherford of the East District had some outgoing words. It's been a great pleasure being chair of this board for the last two years. It's pretty chaotic at times. Uh, one of the things that we appreciate the most in being in a small town is being able to, uh, to communicate with each other and be able to work on problems of this community and uh, what we see in the future and how we decide that. Rutherford named Reed as vice chair, and again, there were four votes in support with one absence. North District Supervisor Tommy Harvey was absent from the beginning of the meeting. Did he show up? I don't know. I haven't seen it yet, but there will be more from this meeting in future editions of Charlottesville Community Engagement. (music) 
The organization that owns and operates Monticello in Albemarle County has announced they will purchase Mickey Tavern for an undisclosed amount. The Thomas Jefferson Foundation will have a review period on the transaction before the sale closes in the spring. In a press release, Foundation Chair Tobias Dengel said that the transaction will ensure that Monticello's principal entrance corridor and the Saunders Trail are protected and preserved. The tavern itself was built in western Albemarle County in the 1780s on a road between Earliesville and Free Union and was moved 16 miles to its current location in 1927. That was only a few years after the Thomas Jefferson Foundation acquired the estate of the third president in 1923. Mickey Tavern was listed on the Virginia Landmark Register in 1993, but is not on the National Register of Historic Places. The property includes a restaurant with items from 18th century recipes, as well as a retail component. The release states that all existing reservations will be honored. The 6.71-acre property has a 2023 assessment of $2.63 million. One of the biggest transportation issues of the past two years has been a shortage of people willing to work as drivers for buses that take pupils to public school. In Charlottesville, city councilors were told in July 2022 that as many as 750 students might have to walk to their schools, prompting an effort to make pathways from homes to classrooms safer. Throughout that school year, drivers were given a pay increase, an increase that also applied to Charlottesville area transit employees. Yet, as the fall semester of 2023 approached, there was still a long wait list of about 700 students who were eligible for a bus, but there was no one to get them there. This morning, the city of Charlottesville announced that there are no longer names on that list due to a rerouting of the system that went into place when students went back to school last week. Here's a section from a press release. As of January 2nd, the final 250 waitlisted students became bus riders, bringing the total number of Charlottesville students on buses to 1,827. There are 17 full-time school bus drivers, two staff members at elementary schools, also trained as drivers, and three van drivers. The release states that this means drivers may soon be available for field trips again. In a quote in the release, Chief Operations Officer for Charlottesville City Schools Kim Powell said that school transportation is one of the bedrocks of student success. Students who are within walk zones are not eligible for a ride. The press release also refers to these as family responsibility zones, which are defined as such. Charlottesville City walk zones are about three quarters of a mile for the elementary schools or up to a 20 minute walk and about a mile and one quarter for grades 5 to 12 up to a 30-minute walk. These radiuses are on the short end of regional and national averages. This year, about 1,100 students are in the walk zone for their school. The total enrollment of Charlottesville City Schools is about 4,500. For more information on the city's pupil transportation system, take a look at the relevant page on the Charlottesville City Schools website. Charlottesville City Council adopted an affordable housing plan in March of 2021, and one of the recommendations was to provide more clarity on how organizations can apply for funding from a variety of opportunities. Because of that plan, council is morally, but not statutorily, obligated to spend $10 million on affordability initiatives. In September, the city issued what's called a NOFO to inform anyone interested in the process. 
That's an acronym for Notice of Funding Opportunity. Two available pools are for Housing Operations and Program Support, or HOPS, and the Charlottesville Affordable Housing Fund. On Monday, the month-long application window opened for funding from the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development for their funds. An application is available on the city's website, which can be accessed at a link in the newsletter. The city's notice did not say how much is available, but I reported back in September that there is $410,468 available from the Community Development Block Grant Program for the next fiscal year, and $112,248 available through the HOME Program. To check my reporting, I contacted the city and received a response that those amounts will be updated in the spring. Previous projects funded through the CDBG program include Albemarle Housing Improvement Program for their Charlottesville Critical Repair Program, the Charlottesville Investment Collaborative for their Microenterprise Entrepreneur Program, the Haven for an initiative called the Coordinated Entry into Homelessness System, Literacy Volunteers of Charlottesville Albemarle for their Beginning Level Workforce Development Program, and the Public Housing Association of Residents for Resident-Centered Redevelopment. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and in today's second subscriber-supported shout-out, one Patreon supporter wants you to know that Charlottesville now has an e-bike lending library. E-bikes are a great way to get around the community, but there are many brands and styles to choose from. Because many e-bikes are sold online, it can be a challenge to try an e-bike before buying one. But the Charlottesville e-bike lending library is what you need. It's a free, non-for-profit service working to expand access to e-bikes in the area. They have a small collection of the vehicles that they lend out to community members for up to a week for free. You can experience your daily commute, go grocery shopping, or even bike your kids to school and decide whether e-bikes are right for you. You can check out the service at www.ebikelibrarycville.org. One more story to go today, and this is really a preview story of something we're going to be talking about a lot this year, and that is AC-44. No, it is not a flight between Toronto and Milan, but it could be. This year, much of my focus will switch to planning in Albemarle County now that Charlottesville has the new development code in place. To cover this community, I think it's important to be able to look at the big picture as well as individual pieces of the puzzle. There have been a few surveys and a lot of correspondence from the county itself on what's known as the AC44 process, but not a lot of third-party media coverage so far. I'll try to add to the discussion this year, beginning with this of several stories from an Albemarle County Planning Commission work session on AC44 from December 19th, 2023. Albemarle County is made up of 726 square miles, and since 1980, the Comprehensive Plan has divided that land into a rural area and a growth area, which the growth area being just under 5%. A large theme of the current update of the state-mandated document is how to plan for when and if that number will increase. 
One of the questions asked during phase two of the AC44 process is whether land within what the county designates as crossroads communities could be used for more intense uses in the near future. This builds off an idea that's included within the current plan, but not well defined. There are currently seven of these areas. Here is a section from an AC44 page on the Engage Albemarle website defining crossroads communities. They are intended to provide support services and opportunities to engage in community life for rural area community members. The plan also encourages the adaptive reuse of historic structures in crossroads communities. One of these seven areas is Batesville, an unincorporated community on Plank Road in the Samuel Miller District south of Interstate 64. Holmes Brown is a lifelong resident of the area who submitted 11 pages of comments on Crossroads communities. The question is, what are the advantages of being designated a rural Crossroads community? At this point, it is simply meeting a county definition. So far, there appear to be no material benefits. Brown wanted to know if Albemarle would take a passive approach where any enhancements are paid for by private interests, or an active one in which the county would make investments. Either way, he also expressed concern about the use of groundwater at these locations. I think the county would do well to try and take a survey about water levels and the uh, problem of development. The Piedmont Environmental Council is a nonprofit advocacy organization for whom I briefly worked and a current sponsor. They have no input on my editorial process. At this work session, their Albemarle representative argued that there should be no more than seven crossroad communities at this time. PEC recommends that the county pause the designation of new crossroads communities in the comp plan update. The county should include a recommendation in the rural area chapter for a, the completion of a rural area plan. During the process for, for completing a rural area plan, the county should engage rural communities regarding the potential designation of their communities as a crossroads community. PEC is working with a new organization that seeks to become a nonprofit to promote traffic calming on Plank Road. More on that story into the future. Another of the Crossroads communities is Whitehall in the northwest quadrant of Albemarle, and one person wants it to remain the same. Here is Peggy Gilgus. In Whitehall, we have two country stores with gas stations, a Ruritan building available for community events, a post office, a vineyard, and an inn. Whitehall is also very close to Crozet, where there are many expanded services. So in the case of Whitehall, I don't think anything more is needed. And in general, I worry that commercialization of crossroads in the rural area is going to be a bad idea. For many years, Tom Olivier of the Samuel Miller District has been trying to persuade Albemarle officials to stop economic development efforts and to consider a cap on population growth. He continues to make those arguments during the AC44 process, including a critique of the county's $58 million purchase of 462 acres of land near Rivanna Station. In October, staff suggested the station could anchor the development of an eight-mile technology business corridor. One day we could be like Northern Virginia. There seems to be too much uncritical zeal for economic growth in the corridors of the Albemarle County office building. This zeal is at odds with the value of most county residents as revealed in decades of surveys. 
and of course economic growth will elevate the threats we face soon from the climate emergency. Now back to Batesville. The current owner of the Batesville market said the business dates back to 1880 and has gone through many transitions. She said crossroad communities can provide benefits for Albemarle. Here is Kristen Reborden. We appreciate the county looking at Crossroads communities, not only how can we sort of preserve what's happening, but how can we provide things and services that will make the communities thrive. Um, We all know that Crossroads communities really are important hubs for those community members. Um, It's not just a pass-through to get from point A to point B. Borden said the conversation should engage people around Batesville about potential new services. However, she said it is important to find ways to control traffic and create a safe place for residents and visitors. In Batesville, we want to make sure that it's walkable and it's accessible to everyone. Um, and with that sort of safety and accessibility, we also want to address elect- electricity and broadband. Um, the electricity is out all the time and we don't have reliable broadband. Reborden said any zoning changes for crossroad communities should be tailored individually for each one. I will have more details on what planning commissioners had to say, as well as staff, in future editions of Charlottesville Community Engagement. But another edition is now complete, and that means it's time to prepare for whatever happens next. The next regular installment will not likely come out until Thursday, as I'll be traveling tomorrow. That means the November 2023 property transactions in Charlottesville might make an appearance. That will first go to the 600 or so paid subscribers before being archived on Information Charlottesville. There is no podcast version. The business model for Town Crier Productions is simple. I agree to write as much as I can in the hopes the audience will grow and more people will opt into keeping it going. 2024 is off to a great start, and I'm grateful for those who have signed up through Substack for paid subscriptions, as well as those continuing to support on Patreon. I'm also grateful to Ting for agreeing to match the initial subscription. They want to support this research, and I'm grateful to be able to do this full time, so I'm grateful to Ting. If you sign up for Ting at a link in the newsletter, you will get free installation, a second month for free, and a $75 gift card to the downtown mall. What is that promo code? Community! Thank you for listening, and goodbye.